Hello again, fight fans, and welcome to episode number 321 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, coming to you live from beautiful downtown Chicago, Illinois. A great, great city. Love it. Uh, my wife and I had got here last Friday, been hanging out this weekend with some friends and um, just enjoying ourselves, having a few days to ourselves. If you guys remember, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was supposed to go to that Paterbia fight, that light heavyweight unification in New York. The airline screwed everything up, missed our flight. They didn't have one for days. So, you know, it was crazy, but they gave us vouchers and we were trying to decide what to do with our vouchers. And um, we were looking at, you know, different places to go, what's open, where the, where the deals were with flights, hotel, et cetera, et cetera. And we hadn't been to Chicago in a while. It'd been a few years. In fact, the last time I was here was when Alexander Usyk fought here and uh, Jessica McCaskill who is the undisputed uh, women's welterweight champion of the world she fought I think in the co-main of that card and that was at Wintrust Arena anyway uh, I think that was like three years ago that's the last time we've been here so we decided to come up here for the weekend so here I am uh, this is the view from my hotel room that um, it, it was like overcast earlier the lighting was perfect you guys would have been able to see everything behind me and I would have been in focus but then as soon as I'm about to go live, the sun pops out, which, which is cool. You know, hey, I got nothing against sunshine, but it completely ruined my shot here because <laughs> uh, we're shooting where I'm using the, my laptop and I'm shooting right into my, uh, my little camera here in the laptop. So, you know, these, these cameras uh, on the laptops aren't very good. So, yeah, it's, it's horrible lighting. But anyway, you're not here for lighting and, and miking and all that. You're here for some boxing news. So we are back after a two-week hiatus. Obviously, I'm not here in the studio, right? I'm, I'm in Chicago. I'm not back home in Atlanta. And I don't have my studio set up, so I can't take calls or anything. So you guys are just going to have to listen to me rant for an hour or so. Uh, but we got lots to catch up on. We got two weeks to catch up on because we've been on hiatus for the July 4th holiday and everything. Been having some family time and all that. And I know you guys have as well, but there's been some stuff going on. We got lots of news and notes to catch up on. Lots happening coming together for that second half of the year. I told you guys the schedule was going to start filling out and we see that now. So we'll talk about that. A couple of weeks of fights to review. We got some shakeups in a couple of different divisions. And then of course uh, we got something, some stuff to preview this week. Okay. So um, I don't have uh, access to a printer. So my, my notes are here on my phone. So I'm just going to look down at, on my phone. <clears throat> if you guys uh, already, I see a couple of cool uh, comments or you guys on the chat. Uh, Zach D asking a good question here. That's going to cause controversy. So I'm going to go ahead and get right to it because that's what we do here. Zach D says, uh, is the best, is the pizza in Chicago better than New York city? Listen, man, I know this is going to cause a lot of controversy. I, you know, to me, my favorite is Detroit style pizza. It, it's a lot of people say, well, that's the exact same as Chicago style. It's not, it, there is, there are differences. And you could even ask my wife who's from California. She's had New York style, legit New York style. She's had Chicago and the touristy Chicago, which is the super deep dish. That's like, you know, two or three inches thick. That's not real Chicago. The real is that thin crust cut in the squares. That's the real thing. But she's also had Detroit style. And she says Detroit style is the best. It's not just me. Uh, but that's personally, I, I rate um, Detroit style the best. But Chicago's up there if you get the real, you know, the thin slice. It's a round pie cut in the squares. That's the way to go with kind of like a cracker crust. That's really good, man. Uh, New York, it, I'm going to cause some controversy. I do think New York style pizza can be overrated. Now, it depends where you go. 
if you go to real Brooklyn, not hipster douche Brooklyn, but real Brooklyn and certain parts of Queens and stuff, and you actually get uh, the real Napladon Italian style pizza that's made with the real, you know, the right oven and everything. That's really, really good. I love that. You know what I haven't had yet though is Connecticut, New Haven. I want to have, I want to try that. I definitely want to try that. Uh, but Hey, I, I could talk about, um, I could talk about pizza for a freaking hour, man. Uh, so uh, let me see here. We got a super chat from my man, Aaron from Aussie land. What's up, Aaron? Thank you so much, man. He says, yo, Mike, has there been a sweeter recipient in karma in the boxing game than Billy Joe Saunders? Dude will be on the streets within two years of retirement. What happened with Billy Joe Saunders? What did I miss? I feel like I'm out of the loop here, man. Um, I've caught the fights because they're all on apps, which, you know, everybody, by the way, everybody who hates on apps, it keeps a guy like me in the know. When I'm on the road doing stuff, when I'm, uh, you know, meeting with friends of ours up here in Chicago, when I'm meeting with family and friends out and about, I can catch the fights on my phone, on my laptop, on these apps. Um, so I've, I've caught up on the fights, but what happened to BJS? What did I miss? You guys got to clue me in because I, I didn't see that. But yeah, look, Billy Joe Saunders doesn't exactly strike me as a genius. I don't think things, he's kind of almost Adrian Broner level, like in that world. It's, yeah, probably going to end up similar with him. Uh, see, I've already pissed off D Style. D Style in the chat says New York pizza is the best. I think it depends where you go, D Style, because if you're in the city, Manhattan, I don't even know where you get good pizza now in Manhattan because it's all tourist douches. And, you know, like you go to Little Italy, the last, I'm, if I've told the story 500 times, I apologize, guys. But the last time I was in New York was shit. What fight was it? It was a New York, I can't remember which fight I was covering, but uh, I was up there and I was in, you know, touristy Little Italy because it's right next to Chinatown. My wife's Chinese. So we always, it's funny, like every town, the Chinatown is right next to the traditional Little Italy. Almost, it's pretty much every town is like that. Anyway, so we're down there in Chinatown. We go over to Little Italy. And I start speaking Italian, you know, because that's what you do in Little Italy. And I speak some Italian. And uh, I was trying to order a cannoli, a cannolo, I should say, because um, cannoli is plural. One cannoli is a cannolo. Anyway, I was speaking Italian, and the guy looks at me and he goes, "Oh, sorry, dude, I don't speak Italian." You know, he didn't really talk like that, but he's just—he's just this Anglo kid. What? Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, I, some Irish kid or something. And I'm like, "Where the hell is you know the Italian guy serving me a cannoli?" Uh, so yeah, it, it was a unique experience. Uh, I couldn't find anybody in Little Italy who spoke Italian. You had, like I said, you have to go over like to um, to Queens now. Howard Beach and shit like that. You got to go over to like real Brooklyn, um, even hipster douche Brooklyn now because a lot of the Italian kids are hipster douches over there too. D-Style with the super chat. Thank you so much, D-Style. I appreciate it, man. Um, and it, it just gives a super chat. There's no comment or anything there. I don't know if you meant it to do it that way or not, but uh, thank you, D-Style. I appreciate it, man. Uh, the Pigeon says, BJS caught causing trouble Near my city here in the UK, the idiot got his head punched in. Really? I can't say I'm surprised, dude. I can't say I'm surprised. Aaron says, uh, just his face being splattered. What? Dude, I, he's the UK Adrian Broner. If, if we're being honest, that's that's what Billy Joe Saunders is. Uh, he's just, again, never, never came across as a genius to me. 
Nacho says, uh, nobody wants to eat Chicago deep this pizza. It's fucking casserole, not pizza. <laughs> yeah, dude, look, um, you know, when we, me and my wife first started dating, she had never traveled like, you know, uh, to the eastern side. I wouldn't call Chicago East Coast, obviously, but it's like the eastern side of the country. She had never really traveled over here. So when we went to Chicago for the first time, it's one of my favorite towns. I love, I've been here a lot for business and different things. But um, I wanted to get her a real touristy Chicago pizza to show her how much it sucks. And I swear this thing was like three or four inches thick and there had to be a pound of cheese on it. It was fucking disgusting. And she had one piece because you can't eat much more than that. And she's like, yeah, this is terrible. This is, this is, and I told her, yeah, nobody eats this shit who's from Chicago. It's rubes from Wisconsin and shit that come here. Not to hate on Wisconsin. I love people in Wisconsin, but I'm just saying, uh, I got to have a little fun with you guys. Come on. I'm from Michigan, <laughs> but that's who comes here and, and orders that shit. <laughs> it's not people from Chicago. Uh, Aaron with another super chat. Thank you, Aaron. He says, Bradis Opataya is fight of the year. Certainly a candidate, certainly up there. All right, man, we got, uh, we got a pizza chat, a pizza argument, I should say, going in the chat. I haven't even talked about boxing. We're 10 minutes in. Let me get to it, guys, before I lose my entire audience. Everybody listening on the audio is like, dude, check it out. All right, yeah, for real. Let me get to this. News and notes. A lot of stuff to cover, guys. All right. Uh, some good, some bad, some ugly. Bear with me on this. But let's start with uh, rest in peace. Arturo Gatti. 13 years ago today died under mysterious circumstances, that's all I'll say, in Brazil, uh, where his, his wife's native Brazil. And um, 13 years has absolutely flown by. I remember exactly where I was uh, when I heard about Arturo's passing. It was, it was a big deal for boxing diehards, uh, particularly Italian-American fans. Um, and so, it, you know, my family watched so many of his fights together. It was like a family get together. We'd watch his fights. And, uh, I was actually with my brother out with some friends at a bar when we heard about it. And, uh, you know, you guys know my brother's no longer with us. So it just hearing about that today, being reminded of, of the date and then thinking where I was and who I was with, it just kind of came all full circle for me. And, uh, just wanted to put that out there, man, that, uh, we miss, we miss Arturo Gotti. Um, okay. Some interesting news here. 2022, we are in interesting times, um, not just in boxing, but in everything, but especially in boxing. I never thought I would say what I'm about to say here, but an actual boxer is ducking a YouTuber. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that, but I'm not going to go into too much detail. And I could talk for an hour on this. You got, there's certain channels that already have those videos out there, but look, Tommy Fury, it really, really looks like he wanted absolutely no part of Jake Paul. And I just find that very, very interesting. Um, he's out. And now Jake Paul on, I want to make sure I get the date correct, August 6th in New York, Madison Square Garden, Showtime pay-per-view is going to be fighting Hasim Rahman Jr., son of the former heavyweight champion of the world, briefly less than a year heavyweight champion of the world, Hasim Rahman from Baltimore. And here's the thing with Hasim Rahman Jr. Some people are saying this is a tougher opponent than Tommy Fury. Some people are saying it's not. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I can see where people think it's a tougher opponent because Hasim Rahman Jr. 
had more amateur fights. He does have a, a boxing pedigree, but so does Tommy Fury. He comes from a, a fighting family as well, right? Um, but I, I, I kind of look at this as a lateral move. If anything, maybe it's advantageous for Paul because Rockman and Paul sparred before. I want to say that Rockman helped Paul get ready for his fight with Nate Robinson. I don't know if that's who it was. It was one of his early fights. Uh, I, I know that. So, so anyway, Paul has had a look at Rockman, right? So, and, and that gives him a little bit of an advantage in his team. Also, Rockman's a heavyweight. They're probably going to drain him down the cruiserweight. I don't know. The guy probably hasn't fought at 200 pounds since he was in the amateurs. So they're going to really, really kill him on the weight. Or they'll do some sort of catch weight to where they really drain him. And he's coming off a TKO loss. And just with the, the politics and everything involved, there's a lot of pressure on Rockman. If he loses this, he's going to get a lot of shit for it. So um, all things considered, I don't know. I, 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 it's going to sound crazy. I favor Jake Paul in this fight. I think it's probably going the distance. There's a, I, I can't see him stopping Rockman because Rockman should see everything coming. But I think he could win this fight by decision. If it goes to the cards, he's going to get the, the nod. And that's probably what's going to happen. It's up to Hasim Rahman to jump on Jake Paul early, pressure the hell out of him, and drop him, stop him. That's what he's got to do. All right. Uh, what else do we got? Oh, um, Bam Rodriguez. It's already announced. This is official. He is going to fight Israel Gonzalez a tough veteran out of Mexico who's been in there with some tough guys. He's, he's challenged for titles before. He always comes up short. He's not really an elite-level guy, but he is experienced. This is a good quality, stay-busy type of opponent for Bam, who uh, by the time he gets in there, he's going to fight on the Canelo Triple G card, their, their rubber match coming up in September. It's going to be less than three months from his last fight, and it's going to be his third fight of this year. So you got to love what Bam Rodriguez and his team are doing right now. Is there a more active, more exciting, more impressive, more likable young American fighter in the sport right now than Bam Rodriguez? Uh, I, I don't know, man. He's got to be up there. Probably the top guy of all these young fighters that's really building a brand. You know, um, Obviously, Devin Haney's had a massive year. And, and everything, and, and I rate Haney higher than I rate Bam Rodriguez, obviously. But as far as building a brand, I would say Haney is a little further along in his career right now. He's been fighting longer. He's been pro longer. What Bam is doing, and you guys got to remember, man, he's 115 pounds. It's, that's not a little fighter. That's a little, little fighter. And here in America, uh, it's, it's harder to market little, little fighters like that. And he's really building a brand for himself. So I love this. I love what they're doing with that kid. And he's uh, willing and able to get in there. And some people might not like this opponent because there is rumors he might fight, fight Chalk or Latito or something like that. Uh, but look, man, this if anyone deserves a layup, and Israel Gonzalez, by the way, no layup. Again, he's a veteran who's been in, in there with some top guys. He's challenged for world titles before. Uh, not on that elite level, but he's certainly not a layup. But if uh, this is a step back from recent opposition for Bam, but if anyone deserves that, it's him, you know. So, so kudos to, to him and his team, man. Um, Vasily Lomachenko, according to Top Rank, uh, he may possibly fight 
um, in October. Now, you guys know I've gone on record several times recently saying that I don't think Loma's going to fight this year. I stand corrected. We'll see what happens. But um, if he does come back in October, um, I don't expect him to be a top-level opponent. I think there's people out there that are going to talk shit about the level of opposition. And if anybody, again, deserves a little bit of a layup, you're literally coming off a war. I think Loma's one of those guys. Um, Usyk going right in there again with uh, Joshua. I mean, he had to because of the contract, but Usyk's a real one. Um, but for Loma, if he does come back and fight in October, listen, I, I don't really care who his opponent is. I expect a soft touch. I expect a B-level opponent, but maybe they'll surprise us and they'll put him right in there with the top guy. We'll find out. But the debate with Loma is always about pound for pound. Should it be on the pound for pound list? Well, look, if he does come back and fights a lesser tier opponent, I think finally the rest of the panel on the ring ratings committee will agree with me that it's time to remove Loma. Not because I don't think he's among the top dozen or so fighters in the world right now. I do believe that. And certainly in terms of his overall accomplishments and, and everything, but he's been inactive. And if he comes back again, I totally understand it. He's been at war. If he comes back and fights a second tier opponent, pull him off the list. It's time. Let one of these younger guys get up on the pound for pound list for a while. <clears throat> but we'll see who he fights. Um, okay, last item here, and uh, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. Strap in, buckle your safety, fasten your safety buckle. Okay, trigger warning for some of you, because we got to get a little political for just a minute. All right, because I don't see anybody talking about this, but um, I feel I need to get on it for just a couple minutes. Okay, just a couple minutes. Lawrence O'Coley. And some of you guys in the UK are like, oh, shit, mate, here we go. Here we go. He's about to step over the line. That was really Australian. Um, my British accent, sometimes it sounds like a Jamaican leprechaun, and then it goes to Australian. Anyway, that was my attempt at it. <laughs> you guys know where I'm going with this story. Lawrence Okole, um tweeted three tweets and, and immediately deleted them uh, upon advice from somebody on his team, I'm sure where he basically compared Eddie Hearn to a slave owner as it relates to their relationship together. And um, I'm not going to go into why that is so unbelievably irresponsible and dangerous and classless and everything else. I just want to listen. I hate defending promoters because they're all full of shit to different extents, all of them, okay? Um, all the main promoters, they're all full of shit. They all do things that annoy the hell out of me. I don't like defending sanctioning organizations. I don't like defending networks. But I got to stick up for Eddie Hearn just a little bit right here. Here's, here's the thing with Lawrence Okole. All right, uh, he has one fight remaining with Matchroom Boxing and his current management. He wants to sign with Boxer and uh, Sky Sports. So I, I, this feels like an attempt to almost piss Eddie off to maybe expedite the process of getting out of that contract and maybe Eddie cutting him before that last fight. That's just kind of, because it just reeked of desperation a little bit. There's a million ways you could have gone about that if that's what you wanted. But to, to bring up this imagery, knowing how loaded that is, um, in, in the age that we're living in, with all the political division going on and everything else, again, horribly irresponsible and classless. 
but also just factually doesn't hold up. If we look specifically at Lawrence Okole's career, okay, Eddie Hearn signed him going out of the Olympics at the 2016 games. Okole goes pro and I think 2017, don't quote me, it might have been 2016, but I want to say it was 2017 because he, he did fight in the World Series of Boxing for a while too. Um, it, but, but when Okole first went pro, guys, a lot of people thought, oh, there's no way this guy's going to win a title one day. He, he looked a little what I would call Bambi legs. He didn't look steady under his feet. Um, he, he looked a little awkward, a little weak at times. Kind of reminded me of how Shakur Stevenson looked when he first went pro and how a lot of young guys look when they first go pro. They just, you know, it takes a minute to settle in. And he also, Akole was boring. There is a lot of people didn't want to watch his fights. A lot of people didn't want to broadcast his fights or be associated with them because he had a he was accused of having a very boring style. Now, he's become more um, entertaining recently. But I'm, I'm saying while he was being developed, a lot of criticism. Eddie Hearn guided this guy to a world title in less than 20 pro fights. And cruiserweight is one of the most international divisions in all of boxing. These guys have to travel. They have to stamp their passport. They're fighting in different countries all the time, right? All of Okole's 18 pro fights have been in the UK. He's never traveled. He was able to win a world title, you know, move his way up through the WBO rating system, win some minor belts, and then get that world title shot. And everybody traveled to him. He's never left the UK. He's kind of had everything his way. And despite being a guy that brings zero economic muscle to the table, doesn't do ratings, doesn't sell tickets, isn't a popular fighter, uh, Eddie's done pretty well by him. So for Okole to bring up, again, that kind of imagery, really, really shitty, man. And then I'll take this a little further with Eddie. And listen, again, Eddie is not a saint. There's plenty of things, Eddie, and all promoters do that I'm going to disagree with at some point. You guys know I always hold them accountable here on this show. But Eddie has a pretty good track record, I would say, of working specifically with black fighters, whether they be from America or the UK, that other promoters don't want to work with. Hello, Demetrius Andrade, Devin Haney, Lawrence Okole, uh, Daniel Jacobs. When He got Daniel Jacobs a, um, a career-high payday. He got him $10 million for that fight with Canelo Alvarez. And you look at what he did with Demetrius Andre. Nobody, it's not like a bunch of promoters are banging on his door to work with him. He worked with them. He got him overpaid, got him a world title at 160, got him lined up for a shot at 168. But then Andre and his team decided to go a different direction. Uh, Devin Haney, look, you guys will laugh, but getting Devin Haney lined up to get that WBC email belt, that lightweight email belt, ultimately, that is what led to Haney being able to negotiate the deal to fight George Cambosos for complete undisputed. If he didn't have that W, I'm sorry, did I say WBA, WBC. If he didn't have that WBC belt, he would have never got the Cambosos fight. Are you kidding me? He would have never, ever got that fight. And it was Eddie Hearn that lined Haney up to get that. So, I mean, Eddie Hearn has done pretty well for some of these guys that, don't have brands, don't sell tickets, um, don't do any TV ratings or app ratings. Um, so I, I think he has a pretty good track record here. 
So for Akoli to bring that up, um, again, I, I just think really, really disgusting. And I was really becoming a Lawrence Akoli fan. I do try to separate what happens in the ring from what happens outside of it. But dude, in this day of age with everything going on, man, and all the political uh, division, I was going to say polarization, but just the division we have politically. Uh, if you're a public figure like that, and this dude's really done right by you, and you're trying to move on and do business with another company, I get that. Dude, go about it a different way. To bring this up, to try to piss this dude off and get out of this deal, it just was really, really classless. And uh, the worst part about it, and then I'll leave this alone, we'll move on, okay? The worst part about it, I haven't seen anybody in the UK media talk about this. None of the big names. It hasn't been on any of the podcasts that I've heard. Uh, so, so everyone's just kind of looking the other way. And it's reminiscent of when Anthony Joshua, by the way, speaking of Eddie Hearn, his biggest client, Anthony Joshua, not exactly a pasty, uh, limey, white British dude. Uh, but anyway, Anthony Joshua had some irresponsible comments, uh, both publicly, but then also privately with Eddie Chambers, you know, racial superiority comments, some really nasty shit. And everybody in the UK media just kind of just overlooked it. So a lot of guys are scared to lose their access and say, it's the same thing here in the States. But I just, I just thought this was noteworthy. I mean, for nobody to even mention it. Interesting. But again, I'm, that's all we're going to go with that. I'm not going to get into that anymore. Uh, let me get a couple more super chats here and then we'll move forward, guys. Papa Chubby with the super chat. Thank you so much, my man. He says the studio equals undisputed Today equals NABA diamond. Yeah, this is kind of like NABA interim. The lighting's pretty shitty. And I'm telling you guys, literally, it was great earlier. There was overcast because I set this shot up and I looked at it and I'm like, oh, this is going to be dope. You guys are going to see a little bit. I'm on the north end of the loop for you guys in Chicago that know where that is. And you guys could have seen a little bit of that. And literally the sun, the clouds parted. And the sun popped out right before I went live. And now it's really, really bright. So it's completely blown out. So yeah, hey, we'll be back in the studio next week. I was trying to share my cool view with you guys. Uh, Sam with the super chat. Thank you so much, man. He says, uh, did you hear the ESPN interview where Jake said, Logan said, don't fight the heavyweight because he can accidentally knock you out. Sounds rigged. I'm not going to go so far as to say it's rigged, but... There could be a gentleman's agreement there. I will say this. Um, I, I, I didn't see that interview, but I saw a post, and it might have been from ESPN, or I don't know who the hell it was. It was somebody on Twitter. I don't follow these, these networks because they're so bad right, the, the, with the pandering and everything else, and the way they market their fighters and stuff is just annoying. But I, I saw somebody retweeted it, and it might have been ESPN. It might have been The Zone. They're equally annoying. They're, they're boxing accounts. But uh, it was a video showing Rockman and Paul like yapping at each other after a sparring session. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but the caption said something to the effect of like, uh, you know, this has been brewing for a while. The bad blood's been brewing between these two for a while. And it just it just felt like, oh, so they were building this shit up and designing this to happen years ago, basically, is the way it came off. And it just reminded me of like, Javante Davis and, and what his team has done with Raleigh Romero and Isaac Cruz, um, well, with Isaac Cruz after they fought, but with Raleigh Romero before they fought, um, it, it's it's very indicative just of how boxing business is done today with some of these groups where they're making these moves 
12, 24 months ahead of time and developing and building characters. It's almost WWE-like that they can eventually use to build up whoever. And um, obviously I'm not comparing what Jake Paul has done in boxing to Javante Davis. Javante Davis is light years ahead. That's obvious. But the way that they're conducting business, those two camps is quite similar. And I just, yeah, I saw that post and it made me think immediately of that, of uh, Raleigh Romero and Tank Davis. That's why they had to protect him when he fought Jackson Marinas. Uh, back when you know, they did that robbery and everything. Nigel, my man, Nigel with the super chat. What's up, my man? Thank you. He says, the Akoli versus Maddie Askin fight for the British Cruiserweight title was one of the worst fights I've ever seen. Okoli should have been disqualified for holding so much. I remember that one. Not that I saw it, but I remember a lot of people bitching about it. And um, yeah, dude, he had several fights like that. And I'm telling you, Eddie, again, no saint. There's plenty he does that I don't agree with. But he, you know, Okole went from that to having a world title and legit being seen as perhaps the best cruiserweight in the world. And actually, the matchmaking with him got better. His style improved and kind of wrinkled out, ironed out some things. And he was actually entertaining in some recent fights. So uh, I really think Eddie did right by him. Now, maybe Lawrence feels he's a superstar and wants to get paid a lot more. I, I don't know uh, what the deal is there. But, yeah, dude, some of this recent stuff from him it was just pretty nasty, man. Pretty, pretty nasty. Uh, okay, Aaron with another super chat. Thanks again. He says, I think Montero promotions would be dope. Every boxer would be happy to be rep by a legend. I appreciate that, sir. Thank you. I don't have my applause sound effect. Um, and, you know, at, at Montero Promotions, we just take 90%. So we're very fair. We leave you with the 10% and we're good to go. <laughs> uh, I couldn't be a fucking promoter, man. I, I just, I've, I've hung out with several promoters. Um, I've become good friends with, with Terry Moss in uh, Atlanta, uh, club promoter who works her butt off and one of the most honest people cares about her fighters and just seeing the shit that she has to go through. And I've gotten to know, you know, several people at that level and then all the way up to the top and seeing what these people have to go through. It's insane. I could never freaking do it. I would kill somebody. I would literally kill somebody. All right. Let's move on to the review. I got uh, two weeks of review, two weeks of fights to review. And let's start uh, Saturday, July 2nd. So there's just before the 4th of July holiday, we had a couple of fights of note. Uh, Joe Joyce, TKO four win over Christian Hammer. This was a heavyweight elimination fight. So he'll be in line to fight for a title at some point. Perhaps uh, he'll fight for a vacant title, uh, depending on what Tyson Fury does. We shall see. Uh, dropped Hammer once in the third and three times in the fourth. And a lot of people, look, a lot of people like to hate on Joe Joyce. I, I think I've made it pretty, pretty clear on the show. I'm a Joe Joyce fan. I know he's slow. I know he gets hit a lot. But you know what? You got to take what he's throwing back at you. And as I always say about Joyce, he's fluid. He's slow as shit, but he's fluid. The punches do come in this whipping kind of fashion, right? Uh, downstairs, upstairs, rights, lefts. He could throw uppercuts. For a heavyweight, and this is a legit six foot six, 260 pound man, for a guy that big, he could throw the punches uh, pretty smoothly. And all of them, they're slow. You see it coming, it still hurts. As a guy myself who has sparred people that size, I can tell you, 
even if you see that shit coming, it still hurts. So yes, you can hit this guy, but you got to take what he's dishing back. And let me tell you, man, Christian Hammer, look, he's been in there with uh, Frank Sanchez. Here are all the guys that he took the distance in recent fights, going back just a few years. Um, other prospects like Frank Sanchez and Tony Yoka, he lost, lost clearly, but he took them the distance. He took Luis Ortiz the distance. He took Alexander Povetkin the distance. Okay. So for Joe Joyce, who did get cracked several times in this fight, but he improved to 14 and 0 with 13 knockouts for him to stop hammer the way he did. I'm sorry. I'm impressed. I think Joyce is, I don't want to like jinx anything for him and his fans and everything, but I think you might be looking at a potential heavyweight title holder in the next couple of years. I, I'm just putting it out there, guys. Uh, just putting it out there. And again, Oh, you know what? I should mention this. The last time Hammer was legit stopped, because I want to say he had a stoppage recently. It might have been against Tommy Fury, where it was a cut or an injury or something. I can't remember exactly. But the last time he was legit stopped, he retired on a stool, was against Tyson Fury. And Tyson Fury was on anabolic steroids during that fight. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That goes back to 2015. So this is a durable guy. And George just plowed right through him. People forget too, man. He was in the Olympics. He was in the World Series of Boxing. He fought some top guys in the amateurs. And yeah, he lost a lot of those fights, but he, he's got some good amateur wins. And now he's got some good pro wins. I'm telling you, man, don't sleep on this guy. Um, also on that card, Zolani Tete beat Jason Cunningham in exciting fashion. Knockout of the year, Kevin. That beautiful shot that he set up. Absolutely beautiful. If you look at the replay, it's almost hard to see the shot that he lands. That's how fast and crisp and straight it was. Awesome, awesome shot. Awesome knockout by him. And then um, <clears throat> in Australia, on that same date, uh, July 2nd, at the uh, Gold Coast Convention Center in Queensland, Australia, Jai Opataya with the, I guess you call it a minor upset. I don't even know what the odds were for this fight. I know they got close right before the fight, but um, it might have been a minor upset. With the uh, unanimous decision win over Marius Bredis, wins the Ring Magazine Cruiserweight Championship and also the IBF belt. Um, exciting fight. Some people thought Bredis did enough. Some people are cool with the decision. I'm fine with it. But you do got to give credit to Opatia's team. Them managing to get this fight in Australia, you just got the feeling that if this fight had been in Latvia, Bredis gets that decision, right? Uh, he's had some close fights, you know, and um, you get the feeling if this had been there, maybe it's a draw. Maybe he gets the nod. But it being in Australia, the hometown kid or home country kid, he gets the nod. And now he is the cruiserweight champion of the world. So great job with their management. Bradis got paid well coming over to Aussie land, but he loses his straps. And look, man, I, I talked about Bradis. If you go back two weeks in the preview for this fight. Uh, the last episode I did of TNC, episode 320, I talk about Bredis, man, like, what's happened to this dude? You know, he was a cheap sparring partner for a while with uh, Vladimir Klitschko. It might have been both Klitschkos, but I know he worked with Vladimir Klitschko a lot. Great sparring for him. It, it really prepared him to go up against the top cruiserweights because he was in there with the, the heavyweight champion of the world, the, the best fighter, um, you know, in the division at that time. Best of all the big fighters. And... Um, he had a close fight with Usyk in the first 
tournament that he did, the World Boxing Super Series, comes back in the second season, wins it, gets that Muhammad Ali trophy, is seen as the legit top cruiserweight in the world, the legit cruiserweight champion, despite all the sanctioning body nonsense. He was seen as the guy. And to go from that to where he is now in just a year or so, it just really, really poorly managed a uh, career recently, man. And for uh, Opataya, look, not the best performance, but he was in there against a really, really experienced guy. And you saw Bredis' experience down the stretch make the fight close. But for the young guy, uh, this is his first big step up and plenty he can learn from here. May have broke his jaw in that fight, you know, needs to clean some of that shit up. But plenty he can learn from here. And now he's the champ. So uh, Australia, you got a couple of fighters right now to be excited about, man. You really do. Uh, let's jump to last week, guys. Saturday, July 9th, San Antonio, Texas. There was a, a PBC card on Showtime. Tom Brown, TGB Promotions, put on the show. And uh, in the main event, Ray Vargas, split decision win over Mark Magsayo. Felt like it should have been a unanimous decision, honestly. Wins the WBC featherweight belt. This was the first defense for Magsayo. He had beat uh, Gary Russell Jr. earlier in an upset special to take the belt earlier this year. This was his first defense. Vargas was actually down in the ninth, but he won enough rounds and closed strong enough uh, to close fight. But I thought he clearly won. It was like a 115, 113. One judge might have had it 116, 112. I thought those scores were fine, or minus the point for the knockdown, obviously. But um, the knockdown did make the fight close. Magsayo did some good stuff in there. But overall, I thought Vargas, his boxing style and uh, his length, some of the problems he posed for Magsayo were the difference. And he does have a lot of experience. He was a title holder at junior featherweight, had several defenses of the WBC belt. Now he's a two-division title holder for McSayo. This was uh, his first pro loss, lost in his first defense. But um, this division, you know, it's completely in flux right now. But there's a lot of fighters that are going to make for exciting fights. As long as these guys keep fighting each other, I think you're going to see titles turning hands like this a lot. I really, really do. Um, Speaking of the featherweight division, and as a welcomed addition in Brandon Figueroa, who lost in his last fight against Stephen Fulton. Close fight, but that was at 122. This is his first fight at 126. Scores a TKO six win over Brian Castro, who was dropped in the third, has now lost two in a row himself. Uh, Figueroa back in the win column after that loss to Fulton. And he just helps kind of load up this featherweight division right now, which is going to be a lot of fun. Again, if these guys all fight each other. So we shall see. Also, undefeated prospects, Frank Martin, was at 140 and Rashidi Ellis at 154. They both got TKO wins on this PBC card. And then Matchroom had a card from London. Of course, this was broadcast on the zone. And the co-main, Israel Madrimov gets a technical decision in the third round against um, Michel Soro, who uh, Mikel Soro, who was cut over his left eye from a headbutt, and the doctor stopped the fight. This was just a snake-bitten matchup. Uh, these two fought before controversial stoppage, uh, just a little bit, you know, a lot of fouling and stuff happened between these two. Um, a lot of people would say it's more on Nadramov's side, but I got to say, to me, I expected coming into this fight because I just think Madramov has a little more, just more levels to him, more class to him. And I expected them to make the adjustments and look better in this fight. Cause he, he didn't look 
he looked a little sloppy in that first fight, and, and Soro did pretty well. Soro's a good fighter, don't get me wrong. I just think Madrimov has a little bit more to him. And um, I, that's what we were seeing early on in this fight, and then the headbutt. But to me, from what I saw, I really think he was going on to, to win this fight. And that's what I expected coming in. Uh, Fabio Wardley, undefeated British heavyweight, improved to 14-0 with a TKO win. But it was all about the main event, the rematch between Derek Chisora, the Zimbabwe native who now uh, lives and fights out of London, gets a split decision win over Kubrat Pulev, who got cut over both eyes. So um, this was you know, a nasty fight at times, but it was really kind of an old school heavyweight slugfest. And both of these heavyweights, that's what they give you. That's, that's who they are and what they give you. And um, it, it, it amazes me that both of these guys get dissed, particularly Chisora, by fight fans because they got losses. For Pulev, coming into this fight, the only guys who would beat him was Vladimir Klitschko and Anthony Joshua. No shame in that. But Chisora, of course, he has a bunch of losses. But, man, Chisora's fought everybody. And he's really given you some entertaining fights. Now, at times, he's been sloppy. Yeah, but heavyweight boxing is sloppy. The way heavyweights are taught, if you're a true heavyweight, not one of these guys that comes up from light heavyweight, maybe as a teenager, you're a light heavyweight or something in the amateurs, a 201, right? And then uh, as you get older and go pro, you, you go into the heavyweight division. Now, these dudes who are natural heavyweights, the way you're taught is basically jab, one, two, boom, lean, hold, grapple, move and do with your forearm, with your elbows, grab the back of his elbow, turn him. Like, that's the kind of stuff you're taught. And Chisora does those things. He fights like an old school heavyweight in a lot of ways. Um, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not, you know, an all-time great. But he's really, really carved out a really entertaining, fun heavyweight career. And let's be honest, yeah, there's some of his fights that you, you wouldn't want to see again. They've been tough to watch. But there's been a few of his fights that have been really fun to watch, you know. And, and beside all that, he's been willing to get in the ring with everybody, literally everybody. And you could go back to the previous era. Guys, he fought Vitaly Klitschko. Not Vladimir, he fought Vitaly. He goes back that far, and he's still fighting top guys in this generation. So I think he deserves a lot of credit. And I don't get why so many fans hate on him. Same thing for Pulev. Uh, you know, Pulev's pulled some weird stunts outside of the ring, whatever. You guys remember Jenny Suchet and that whole weird thing. But in the ring, he's he's been fun uh, at times. So anyway, um, I, I, let me ask you guys this. Is this the best win of Derek Chisora's career? I think you can make an argument that it is. I think that this win over Kubrat Pulev, when you look at Pulev's amateur pedigree, uh, he has a pretty good professional record for, for a professional heavyweight in this era, um, especially coming in. I think this is Derek Chisora's best win. Am I wrong on that? It's probably his best win. So if you're Chisora, why fight again after this? You just headlined the car, dude. Um, you just scored your best win. You've been in some absolute wars and battles. You're a fan favorite. Chisora is one of the funnest personalities. He, he's crazy on social media. Says all kinds of weird, crazy, fun stuff. He's very, very eccentric. I love it. So now's the time, dude, retire. If I'm in Derek Chisora's camp, I'm not. Because he wants to, he called out, I think, Deontay Wilder after this fight. 
And I think he really have a chance to beat Deontay Wilder right now. Yeah, some of you guys might think I'm crazy. I don't care. I think he'd have a chance. If he could survive that right hand, get around it, get under it, uh, he really would have a chance, okay? And he would be one of the top opponents, probably the second, third best fighter that uh, that Wilder's ever fought as a pro. So anyway, um, he'd have a chance, but I don't want to see it. I think Wilder would nail him with a right hand and that'd be lights out. And why, dude? You've made millions of dollars. You just got your best win. Walk away. That would be my advice. Um, that really would be my advice. I mean, for Chisora, 45 pro fights, over 300 pro rounds. Think about that. Okay. Not amateur rounds, pro rounds. If you fight 300 rounds, how many rounds of sparring is that to prepare for those fights? 3,000? 3,000 rounds of sparring to prepare um, for for those 300 pro rounds? I, I don't know, man. I, I just think that's too much. Walk away, dude. Walk away. All right. So uh, that's it with the review. Quickly, let's preview what we got this week. Before I do that, actually, let me catch up. Let me catch up on um, these uh, comments and these super chats. I want to make sure I don't miss anything. Got a bunch of them on here. You guys are awesome, man. Thanks for chilling with me while I'm here in Chicago. Uh, Gideon with the super chat. Thank you, Gideon. What's up, my man? He says, Michael, pump the brakes, Montero. I do use that expression a lot. I, I do. But you know what? I don't think I've used it in this episode. So I'm going to say pump the brakes on the pump the brakes, Gideon. Thanks for the super chat. <laughs> uh, okay. What else? What else? We got Sam here. With another one. Thank you, Sam. He says, uh, another guy quit after almost getting KO'd with a headbutt. Sora was barely cut on the forehead with barely any blood. Called a technical draw, which means it pays the draw and the under. In USA, it's a no contest. Interesting. Interesting. Look, on record, technically, the doctor stopped the fight. That's what it says on the record. Um, to me, to me, Sam, it, it looked like Madrimov was going to have a big, decisive win in that fight. It, he just looked like he got off to a really good start and had cleaned up some stuff from the last fight. That is what I saw. <clears throat> Sam also adds, uh, Bradis is one tough MF in Latvian. You can't hurt him. Dude, well... I'm telling you, is all that sparring with Vladimir Klitschko? I mean, you're sparring with him, but then you're you're gonna you're going in there and fighting cruiserweights. That's gonna give you extraordinary confidence. Gail Falkenthal, what's up? The first lady of boxing. How you doing, Gail? She says, smash that like button, you degenerates. 60 plus people watching, and only half of you have smashed that like button. Get on it. Yes. True that, true that. Yeah. Smash that like button. Toreen Falk, what's up, my man? Thank you for the super chat. He says that when fighting down under, go for the KO or do what Devin Haney did. Hey, if you can do what Devin Haney did, which is very hard to do. Might not be the most exciting thing, but what Haney did to Cambosos, 12 rounds of fighting that discipline and skilled, hard to do, man. Uh, but I agree with you. I mean, hey, man, I'd say that to anybody fighting on the road anywhere. If you're an Australian fighter fighting in America, do the same thing. It's just how it works, how it works. Another super chat from Sam. Thank you, brother. He says, Pulev should have gotten a draw. Steve Gray, 116-114. I had to score two rounds even, which is rare. Yeah, you know, you're you're not the only person that didn't like the scorecards. 
Uh, again, for, for me, you know, um, is one of those fights that could have went either way. I don't have any issue with the scores. I do think that Chisora landed some hard punches, though. When I look at the, the harder, cleaner punches, uh, I, I, I think that more of them came from Chisora. That's just what I saw. I also think he did some good work to the body, which you just don't see from heavyweights that often these days, man. Um, Chris Bargan says, who doesn't love a good heavyweight slugfest? Exactly. Exactly. Aaron's asking if I will preview the Yoka scrap that is tomorrow. Of course I will. You know that. We cover everything on this show, man. Everything. Let's see. Uh, Derek says uh, the money Chisora has been making the last few years means he's not going to retire anytime soon. I hear you, Derek. Um, and look, if he got one big fight against the guy like Deontay Wilder, one more big fight, he that would be his retirement fund right there. But I just, again, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Unless it's for a shot at like a legit world title, not some interim crap, not some regular crap, but a legit world title. I just don't understand it at this stage. Why? Again, you're coming off your best win. It's, Pulev's got to be his best win. BK says, jab the like and subscribe. Hells yeah. Hells yeah. All right. Let's get into this preview. Uh, and we'll start with that Ioka fight. So uh, Wednesday, July 13th in Tokyo, Japan, Kazuto Ioka going up against Donnie Nietes for the fifth defense of his WBO junior bantamweight title. This is actually a rematch. Some of you might have forgot. These guys fought in 2018. And Nietes, who was really one of the best little fighters in the world at that time, won that fight by split decision. Super, super close fight. I expect Ioka to win this one, and I expect him to win it big. Uh, Nietes is a little long in the tooth. He has slowed down in recent years. And um, I just think that the momentum is on Ioka's side. But Nietes, super underrated fighter, very, very crafty, very, very skilled. And he's one of those guys that's gone under the radar for a lot of fans. But if you're a fan of the little, little guys, you got to love Donnie Nietes. And he might have one last great performance left in him. We'll find out. But I expect something special from Ioka. And I expect a big win. I might even, maybe even a late stoppage in this fight. I know that might sound crazy to some of you, but I just got a gut feel about it that Ioka is going to show us a new level since their first fight a few years back. And uh, Friday, July 15th, Top Rank has a card in Temecula, California. It's going to be broadcast on ESPN. And the main event, Arnold Barboza Jr., 26 and 0 going up against Danielito Zoria, 16-0 from Puerto Rico, 10 rounds junior welterweight. So you have <clears throat> Mexican-American versus Puerto Rico. Now, that'll be fun, 140 pounds. I don't really know much about the undercard, who else is fighting on it. I just know about the main event. And then this Saturday, July 16th, it is the return of King Rai, Ryan Garcia. Golden Boy Promotions put on the card at Los Angeles. We broadcast on the zone at the crypto.com arena. What the hell is that? It's the Staples Center. I, I hate that. Growing up, and I, I, this is a rant I've done a thousand times too. Growing up, man, growing up in Detroit, we had Tiger Stadium, right? And then you had the Palace of Auburn Hills. Before that was the Silverdome, which is where the Lions played. And, um, but the Pistons played there too. Then they got their own place, the Palace, right? You had these, these names that you just, you knew where you were and who you were watching when you heard the name. 
Chicago Cubs played in Wrigley Field, and they still do. Um, just some of the names of these, um, the Superdome, you know, the, these iconic venues, Madison Square Garden. Now, like every two years, somebody buys the naming rights and the, these stadiums change names every couple of years. It's so bizarre. One day I'm going to be talking to my kids about fights I saw or games I went to or whatever at some venue. And I'm going to name the venue and they're going to go, Daddy, what the hell is that? And I'm going to have to tell them, oh, yeah, the name's been changed 18 times since then. Now it's called the, you know, uh, what the hell is a brand? The Aquafina. Free shout out to Aquafina. Free advertising here. The Aquafina um, Stadium or whatever. You know, what the hell is that? Anyway, sorry, quick tangent. But I mean, Crypto.com Arena, that doesn't roll off the tongue. What the fuck is that? Staples Center, so much better. And there were so many great fights there that we went to and saw over the years, right? It's like Home Depot Center. Now it's called the Thumb Dick Arena. I don't even know what the hell it's called anymore. Anyway, Ryan Garcia is fighting Javier Fortuna, 12 rounds, lightweights in the main event. King Rai has big advantages in height, power, length, and uh, age. I want to say he's like over a decade younger. So experience-wise, this looks like a big, big step up for Ryan King Rai Garcia or like a high-level matchup for him but i think golden boy promotions knows what they're doing here i think fortuna is going to give him some good rounds but i expect garcia to uh win this fight and win it pretty handedly because of his size and, and power advantages they will play uh, a significant uh, part of this fight also alexis rocha going up against to be announced that's exciting 10 rounds welterweights and lamont roach jr versus angel rodriguez 12 rounds and this is a junior lightweight eliminator for one of the 5,000 WBA belts in that division. All right. That's it for this week. And uh, we are back. We are back. We are back. So no more super chats. You guys got anything else here? Get on it. I saw uh, <laughs> this guy always makes these comments. Germazion. Uh, Am I saying that right? Germazion says, Mike being a wilder hater as usual. Guys, be honest with me. Did I say anything that, that was hateful of Deontay Wilder in that last segment when I said Derek Tresora would possibly be the second or third best opponent or best win of his career? Was that hateful? That's pretty pretty spot on right his best win right now is Luis Ortiz who is it after that I think Derek Chisora is right there I'm just being honest um I don't think that was hateful I think you're a little too sensitive my friend you're a little too sensitive it's gonna be okay change your diaper go see your mommy so she could rub you behind and tell you it's special and different and make you feel good about yourself wipe those tears out your, your face you're gonna be okay my friend it's going to be all right. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Ah, that Aquafina. One day, I'm telling you, yeah, I'm going to go see games at the Aquafina Arena. It's going to be, what the hell is this? Uh, Toreen Falk. It's another super chat. Thank you, Toreen. He says, your thoughts on Frank Martin? Hey, man, he looked good. Frank has had a couple of decent wins. Um, he had a little bit of trouble, but he was fighting a guy who was underrated in Marinas, who really – he beat uh what's his face um romero um and so he, i think marinez is a little underrated so i i think that was a solid win for martin and he got some good rounds in there i like frank martin 
Uh, that's somebody that um, I would I would purchase stock in, if you could. I would purchase stock in Frank Martin. All right, let's see what else we got here in the chat. Another one from Sam, another super chat from Sam. Thank you. So that I watch Rockman go toe to toe with Kinsey Morrison. Oh yeah, that's right. Forget about that one. He said way better than people think. He got stopped, but Chin is good. Okay. Well, hey, Kinsey Morrison can punch. He's got some power. He can punch. Um, so I, look, Rockman maybe is a, a step up from from Tommy Fury. I think that's fair to say. I think it's fair to say, just in terms of who he's been in the ring with, uh, amateur and pro. Okay, we will make that argument. But there is that sparring background between these two. They've seen each other. The question is, which one has improved more since those sparring sessions? I would say Paul has improved more and added some more wrinkles. Rockman's probably showed him everything he can do. It probably hasn't gotten much better. He is coming off a TKO loss. And I'm telling you, they're going to kill him with the weight. They're going to kill him with the weight. So uh, Rockman should be favored. But would it shock me if Paul wins that fight? It's crazy. I know I sound like I'm insane, but it wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me at all. Let's see. Nigel here says uh, Wilder and Chisora debuted in the same year. And Chisora's resume is so much better than Wilder's. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Now, see, if I say that, I'm called a Wilder hater. And obviously Wilder won all of his fights, except for the fights with Tyson Fury. And so people will talk about that. Yes, Chisora has lost many, many fights when he has stepped up. But it, just in terms of names, I don't know how anybody could argue your statement, brother. Chisora has better names on his resume, top to bottom. And yes, he's lost most of those fights. But just in terms of names, being willing to get in there and fight top dudes, dude, is not even close. Take Fury off of Wilder's resume. Take those fights off his resume and just compare it to Chisora's. Holy shit, dude. It's night and day. That's not hate. That's just truth. <clears throat> All right, what else we got? George, George says, uh, Mike, did you see the most recent interview Triple G did on Canelo and his view on Canelo being upset? No, I haven't. Look, man, I... I've ignored a lot of that stuff. I know a lot of people are excited and a lot of you guys get into these interviews and these preview shows and stuff like that. 99% of that stuff is just fluff. And I've seen so much of it over the years. I've, I've been with fighters, high level pound for pound level guys, um, won't name names, but I've been with dudes in their team, like in the gym a day or two after filming shit like that. And literally what they said on camera, they're joking about it and how it was complete bullshit in the gym while they're training with their guys. I hate this. I hate to say that, you know, but a lot of it is just played up for the camera. Listen, Triple G and Canelo do have bad blood, but they're also the consummate professionals who have been there, done that. And um, they know they got to sell this one a little bit because it is past its, its expiration date. Canelo is coming off a loss. Triple G is 40 plus years old. Um, the last two were on HBO, which was the boxing powerhouse for generations. Now it's on the zone, which is still struggling to um, you work its way into the consciousness of casual sports fans. So um, by the way, yeah, I should, 
just hit a quick tangent in my brain. While I was here in Chicago, um, went to a Chicago White Sox game on the south side of town. A lot of fun, dude. Simple little stadium, but a lot of fun. Anyway, there were DAZN ads there. There were DAZN ads for that. Like, I, I was surprised. Uh, I saw just a thing on the screen. I saw the zone thing. And then um, I was at a bar getting one beer <laughs> yesterday, getting one beer before we got our pizza. And um, there was a three on three basketball game, some like celebrity basketball tournament on, on TV. And there were the zone ads there. And it wasn't just like a commercial or something like it was like on the court and everything. So anyway, I just mentioned that to say DAZN does seem to be like spending a little bit of money in advertising and working their way in to the consciousness of sports fans. Anyway, Triple G and Canelo know they need to sell this fight. And so maybe they're going to play up the animosity a little bit, but there really is bad blood between them. I just don't watch all that stuff. George says, uh, what's not to like about Derek Chisora? Always brings it and shows incredible heart and sportsmanship. Yeah, man. I like Derek Chisora. I'm a fan of his. And he has a fun personality. Uh, Glenn does make a good point, though. And Derek doesn't make bizarre excuses when he loses. There's that, too. Um, I can't remember him making any weird excuses when he's lost. Toreen says, uh, wish Triple G would do interviews in English again. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's his way. He's doing it his way for, for the rest of his career here. He's done doing favors. Twall says Chisora should have better wins than Wilder over Ortiz. Bad luck with scorecards. His wins over Takam and Pulev are his best on paper. Should be White and Parker. In my opinion, he beat both once. That's an interesting take. And you, listen, you're not alone in that. Uh, a lot of people did feel he did enough to squeeze out the uh, one fight with White and one fight with Parker. So he was just right there. He's had a couple decisions go his way. He's had a couple not go his way, more of not going his way, for being honest. But again, um, you switch a couple of those scorecards. If he has wins over White and Parker, that slaughters what Wilder did. And I'm just being honest. Yeah, Wilder won a title. But guys, there's a lot of politics that goes into some of these titles and the way it all works. Um, particularly, you know, the BC and the BA with, uh, with PBC and the BO with top rank just the way it is. Toreen Fox says uh, Tank versus Martin after Cruz. Yeah, because Gervonta Tank Davis would take that fight. No way, dude. No way he'd take that fight. I just don't see it. <clears throat> Marquise is in the house. What's up, Marquise? Marquise John says, uh, I agree with that in the splits on Chisora. Yeah, see, a lot of people feel that way. If he had gotten a couple of those um, you know, decisions, man, um, that changes the trajectory of his career a little bit. And you, you know, look, you also look at Parker and White, those decisions went their way and their career trajectory trended up. So sometimes, you know, you get that nod and it, it gets you over the top and you don't get that nod and it holds you back. But how many guys have we seen get two or three losses and they just kind of fade away? Chisora is one of those guys that's had a bunch of losses, but he stays uh, up there near the top dozen or so, top 15 or so heavyweights consistently. And on any given night, give any heavyweight a really, really tough fight. Uh, those are the kinds of guys I like, especially at heavyweight. You need those fighters. Gail says, uh, Mike, did you see the upset win by the infamous Curtis Harper over unbeaten Christian Thune on the Pro Box card in Florida? OMG, laugh my ass off. What a hoot. Who would have thought 
pro box worth the money. I'm so glad you brought that up, Gail. I completely forgot about it. And guys, I know Christian. I, I saw him fight in Atlanta and he's Christian's half Italian. A lot of guys don't know about that. So, um, you know, we've talked back and forth and I, I meant to get him on the show before that fight. But um, it just it just didn't work out, uh, mostly on my end. It was just bad communication. I there's a lot of things going on. But I've 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 had tried to get Christian on several times. That was that was an upset. Um, he was heavily favored in that fight. Curtis Harper was coming off um, a long layoff, but Harper's another guy that just always gives an honest effort. And uh, wasn't Harper put down in that fight, Gail? I want to say he was dropped once in that fight but he he just hung tough and he's so experienced and um i i do think christian's going to get better from that fight i do think it's going to uh make him a better heavyweight but we're still going to have him on the show and maybe i should get curtis on the show because he's a cool guy too um one of these times i need to start getting more fighters on the show guys it, it's one of a million things i want to get to but i do have a lot of things going on um so I promise we'll get there. Um, I know I'm making excuses. I do have a pregnant wife. I have been training and fighting myself. So yeah, certain things have just kind of slipped a little bit. But yeah, we will definitely get more fighters on the show. It's one of those things I honestly feel that uh, once I'm done fighting, at least for a while, and we, my wife gives birth to our daughter, I'll have a little more time dedicated to setting things like that up. Because uh, I talk to these guys all the time, but setting that stuff up, sometimes you have to go through a publicist and you have to send emails and texts and, you know, get all that set up. That's the part that I'm not so good at. Um, I'm good at chatting with guys and shooting the shit with them, but not always good at setting up, you know, all the other stuff. So um, anyway, <clears throat> one foot out the door with the super chat. Thank you. Thank you so much. It says Triple G Canelo 3 sells itself. No trash talk needed. You're right, man. Look, look for us, but we're degenerates. If you're if you're watching my show, you're a degenerate like me, okay? And I don't say that in a derogatory sense because I'm a degenerate. I'm just saying for the casual fan who's already had a lot of pay-per-views already this year, let's be honest. I mean, there's PBC's done several, but there, there's been Jake Paul's got one coming up, right? We, we've got, and then there's pay-per-views down the stretch. We're going to see more. Uh, Canelo had a pay-per-view already this year. So they've already had pay-per-views. This is a pay-per-view fight and Canelo just lost. So to the casual fan that obsesses over losses and things like that, they got to sell it to them. They do. They really, really do. Uh, okay. I think that's it, guys. I think we're going to bow out here. Uh, it's been over an hour. Thank you for listening to me rant and uh, rave. And uh, once without the door says, my mom knows I'm a degenerate. I love it. And uh, <laughs> Chris Bergen says, we embrace being degenerates. Yes, we do. We all embrace each other in our degenerateness. All right, guys, that is it for this show. I'm going to get out of here. And um the wife and I are going to a jazz club to see a jazz band play. Um, 
don't know, maybe a couple miles from where we're staying and then get some dinner later. We've had a blast in Chicago. Uh, really, really had a lot of fun. Hung out with some friends. I, I shared s- some stuff on social, not, not a whole lot, but you guys, if you follow me on social, you've seen some of the pics, mostly pictures of food and shit. But, you know, uh, we've had a great time, man. So I just want to thank everybody that we've hung out with up here and um, for making it special. And guys, uh, TNC will be back next week in the studio the setup that you all know and love and uh phones will be back all right so enjoy the rest of your week uh should do a friday wrap up this friday that'll be back in the studio too on my channel so i'll see you guys then all right make sure you smash that like button and uh, i'll see you at the fights peace